Hey there, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Outdoors Podcast, where I mainly talk about the outdoors most of the time. On this episode of the podcast, I get to talk to our wedding photographer, Allie Bounty from Lake Tahoe. She specializes in destination weddings, mainly in the Western United States, but she does go some other places as well. So uh, check out her her Instagram. You'll get a, an idea of what she does. Uh, we actually fell in love with Allie's work over Instagram, and a few quick phone calls later, we pricked her to capture our special day. Uh, now, I did this interview with Allie a couple of months ago. I apologize for taking so long to get it out. Uh, we did this well before we had met in person and before the wedding, so I didn't really know everything that I know about her, but having spent three days with her now, uh, we couldn't be happier with our choice of who we chose, and you know the sneak peeks that she has already sent us have been absolutely incredible, so uh, just absolutely fantastic at what she does. Not only did she help us capture the most important moments of our big day, she also helped us enjoy those moments by reminding us to be present, to breathe. She let us know when we'd likely get overwhelmed and kind of how to manage that. So I'm so grateful for that. Uh, she helped us plan and pick venues, photo locations, a lot more than what you'd expect from just doing her job as a photographer. Uh, Allie's photography actually caught my eye when her work was shared by a friend of mine and a former podcast guest. And then Sarah and I pretty much instantly knew we wanted her to be the one that captured our wedding. So... I brought her on the podcast because I wanted to know more about how she got into photography, how she started her company, and how she finds the types of clients that produce some pretty magical photos. Allie's all about inclusivity and working with all types of couples that bring good, positive energy to the world. And you can find her work on Instagram at Allie Bounty Photography and on her website at AllieBounty.com. So let's get right into this show. We're slightly above everybody else on the intellectual <laughs> scale i think altitude sickness is no joke once it gets below zero it's cold there are a lot less sportsmen now than there were say 20 years ago you're actually you were used as a pawn okay in our game to figure out what it was that we were doing wrong you know at that point we didn't have one great tent like we had one good tent one not good tent <laughs> yeah wind was just whipping uh there's like snow bbs <laughs> just like pelting the face <laughs> all right Allie, we are live welcome to the podcast thanks thanks for having me this is the first time so uh first time for everything <laughs> yeah i'm glad that you chose to do it i know we had a few conversations offline via social media and instagram and such and i'm really glad that you chose to do it i saw you smiling kind of as that last voice was fading off into the distance, probably someone that you recognize from a former episode. That's my friend. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And actually, funny enough, uh, Katie's the reason that you and I are doing this episode that you and I, are, you know, are friends and have this, you know, kind of uh, business relationship moving forward. So we're kind of really pumped to have you. Uh, so Katie, former guest on the podcast, uh, we talked to Katie about her John Muir Trail expedition, and, you know, unfortunately, she wasn't able to complete that journey. She had a, a knee blowout that she was helicopter lifted off the mountain. Super cool story. Uh, really grateful that she came on and told it, and she and I have maintained a friendship since then, and one day, I'm sitting there scrolling through Instagram, and she posts this great photo that, you know, hey, you know, me and Paul are going to go do this photo shoot in a couple of days with this awesome person. Check her out, and... I clicked over and saw your profile and was just like, oh, wow, this girl's really talented and started scrolling through your photos. And I literally think I was like laying in bed with Sarah, uh, my fiance, and like passed her the phone and was like, hey, this is someone you might like. And she started scrolling through her photos and was like, oh, my God, yeah, I do really like this girl. This is amazing. And we reached out and boom, like fast forward a month and a half, you're our wedding photographer. So really awesome. Super cool to have you. I want to talk about this whole journey and, and that whole thing. But how did you and Katie become friends and, and how did that whole thing kind of come together? Yeah, uh, the internet, <laughs> like like all great things. Um, I am a pretty big hockey fan. My my husband is too, and, and she's dating a former NHL player and a podcaster, um, Paul Bismet. Yeah. And um, my husband follows Paul on Instagram, and he was like, hey, uh, Paul and his girlfriend are in Tahoe right now. You should see if they want to do a photo shoot. And I've, I've done a couple of shoots with NHL couples in the past just from 
sliding into their DMs like, hey, I'm going to be in your area. Like, I really just want to like shoot people. I know you live there. So, you know, so, um, (laughs) Um, and I've done a couple, which is really rad. Um, And so I was like, all right, I literally have nothing to lose. And it was a little harder because um, Katie does try to keep her her life private or for the most part. Um, So I was like, okay, is this her? And then I just like, you know, was like, she's in school and, and slid into her DMs. And then they couldn't actually shoot with me when they were in Tahoe, but I got to kind of follow their, their journey through Tahoe for the first time, which is always just my favorite thing. Seeing Tahoe through new eyes is always really fun. Um, and we just kept talking and we were just like instant friends on the internet, just, uh, literally same sense of humor, same interests, same beliefs and all that. So, um, I went to Arizona and I was like, Hey, do you guys want to do a shoot when I'm, when I'm there? And, uh, and they were down. So it was, it was really fun. That's rad, rad. And how did the shoot go? I mean, was it a lot of fun while you were there shooting? Yeah. Um, it was short. Uh, Paul had a ton to do that day. So they just, um, they got there right before the sunset, which is typically when it gets a little bit too dark for me. My ISO is really high. The photos are grainy and I'm like, Oh no, <laughs> but the sunset was really rad. So we didn't shoot for that long, but it was, it was, it was really cool to get to know them. And then I asked for food recommendations like usual after a shoot. Um, I'm always hungry after <laughs> shooting. So, um, Katie actually offered to go with me. So we got dinner together. Um, and that was kind of when we hit it off more so than when we were at the shoot. Um, but yeah, it was super rad experience for sure. Quicker than I would have liked, but I loved it. Yeah, I've, I've been in, in uh, a weird kind of marketing role with a cybersecurity organization for several years, and we throw events all over the country. And the events themselves are really cool, but it's always, like you said, it's that little meal afterwards or it's a quick beer afterwards before we hit the airport on our way back home that we end up creating like really cool relationships. And that's the friendships that we end up leaning on when we come back to that city. Those little bitty times that you get to spend afterwards are huge. That's really cool. That's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, both, I would say. I, I mean, I, I like shooting because it's a different sort of um, way of seeing me, and it's a way for, of me seeing them when they're all nervous and, you know, just at least being able to put their nerves at ease ahead of time. And then and then that meal is always nice, and then usually that's before their wedding. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> then sure. they're really comfy on their wedding day. For sure, for sure. So let's talk a little bit about kind of rewind back, you know, many, many years, I'm sure. How did you get into photography? Like, where did you get your first camera? How did you find that passion? And and then like kind of piggybacking off that when you finish that long answer, I'm sure. uh, (laughs) Where did you kind of figure out like, hey, this might actually be my career and something that you want to do kind of full time professionally? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Here's a long winded one. Um, (laughs) So I, uh, I grew up on a 110 acre farm in Pennsylvania. Um, when I say grow up, it what it honestly wasn't that long of a period of time. It was two to three years. Um, but it was such a pivotal part of my life that, um, I consider it growing up there. So, sure. um, out in the backwoods, didn't have anything to do. Uh, I had, there were 300 kids in sixth to 12th grade high school <laughs> and, uh, there, everybody knew everybody. And I was coming from Reno, which was bigger, still a small town, but bigger, uh, complete opposite vibe. West coast versus East coast is a huge difference. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I showed up, I was weird looking and, um, uh, I was super seen. I just had all these colors in my hair, a hundred studded belts on and, <laughs> um, super weird. So I kind of kept to myself at first and, um, I, just picked up a camera. My parents are dog breeders and, uh, we had the farm. None of the animals were ours, but we just had a ton of property and it was a significantly different landscape than I was used to. So I just took pictures for fun for MySpace for (laughs) whatever got me going. (laughs) MySpace. God, that's such a great throwback. That's fantastic. I know. know. RIP. Now, what kind of, where, where was the evolution? I mean, did, were you taking photos like that was probably somewhere in your, your teens, I would imagine, where you kind of started doing this whole thing? Yeah. Um, before that, I had a Polaroid camera that I got for Christmas from my grandpa. Um, yeah. And that was when uh, I was living in, in Reno. He was in Tahoe. Um, I just remember being a kid running around with the Polaroid, but I didn't ever take it seriously. I didn't take it seriously in high school either. I just... I thought it was fun. Um, and then my friends went to prom and I didn't go with them. So I took their photos. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and then I moved back to Reno and I went to a private Catholic high school and didn't really have any friends. They had all grown up together for a long time. There was no band program. I was in band and, uh, I got there and they were like, Oh yeah, we don't really have a band. And I was like, 
cool. Now what do I do? <laughs> What'd you play in band? Uh, flute. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. <laughs> I played um, jazz guitar, but with the volume turned all the way down so that nobody could hear me. <laughs> cheating. <laughs> we had one guy that I was in a little rock band, like, you know, as eighth and ninth graders are, uh, that played cover songs and like some originals. And in that, I could play some chords and a little bit of rhythm, like backup. I was never the dude out front. I was just like, I can hold the chords in the back. And <laughs> that I was fine with. But if you needed to play like jazz, legit read music, I was way over overmatched. And so that our, our lead guitarist in my rock band was also in the jazz band. So like we just needed that guy to play. And then I could just sit quietly in the background and not really be heard. And it Look just pretty. got me through my music three years, got through it, got my credits moved on. So <laughs> I got to, I, like I got to the place that I needed to be. So that's fine. So, so you got, you moved back to Reno, didn't have a band, still kind of dabbling in photography. Kind of where did it go from there? Um, I joined the newspaper team and I was the school newspaper photographer and slash writer. Um, I, I loved writing as well. So I did a little bit of both. Um, and then a little bit for the yearbook and just kind of past time. But most of my friends either weren't in high school or they went to different high schools. They were all in like really shitty rock bands. So I took their promotional photos and, and stuff like that for their like cover albums and their MySpaces and just. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. So do you think that that working for a paper or at least kind of having to think about it as stories? Do you think that that's helped you? I mean, we're going to get into the fact that you're a wedding photographer, but do you think that's kind of helped you thinking about it as capturing the story? Yeah. Um, I actually wanted to be a journalist. I wanted to go to college for journalism, not for photojournalism, but for, to be a writer. Um, and then I realized I hated college. So <laughs> I never went to college, but, um, I was just like, meh, but I am pretty decent at writing. And, um, that was something where I, storytelling, generally my love for storytelling began for sure. That's cool. What kind of stories did you like writing when you were in high school? Mostly about music, but of course, the music scene at the private Catholic school wasn't it. So <laughs> I did what I could to kind of educate, I guess, um, on the world outside of it, local bands, stuff like that. Yeah. When uh, Sarah and I used to try and hit a national park a year, we don't live in the cluster of national parks and forests that you do. So it's a little more difficult when you live <laughs> yeah. in smack dab in the middle of flyover <laughs> country. But um one of the things that we did really early, kind of two years into our relationship, we went backpacking in um, uh, Rocky Mountain National Park, and we hit it for like this four-day stretch of just bad weather, and it was rough, and Sarah got altitude sickness, and it was just tough on us. Oof. And we got off the, the park, we got out of the park, we went down to Boulder, and we rented this little Airbnb, and we hadn't really done that yet together. So our expectations were like a little mixed, and we hit this little condo, and it was a rock and roll photographer. <laughs> condo and the whole place was like decorated in prints prints uh <laughs> and just awesome furniture and really cool just you know vibe and the whole place was just fantastic and then she had a bunch of her like little square prints on her uh refrigerator and so you could just see like all these places she'd been and all this stuff she'd done and you could tell like you got there was a couple photos of her and she had this wicked mohawk and it was just, the, I was just so taken aback by how cool the place was. And I That's was like, awesome. we're in a rock and roll photographer's house. This is amazing. <laughs> so yeah, I can totally tell like that would be a super fun way to live. I could see that being like a great aspiration. Yeah, yeah, that is, that's super rad. I definitely want to stay there. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll have to like go back and figure it out. And it was hilarious because, you know, we're in St. Louis and it was like a very reasonable price. And I think somehow we caught it in just like the right swing where there wasn't a booking or something. Uh, Cause you know, here in St. Louis, that place is probably like a $140,000, condo. Oh my and God. In Boulder, we looked it up. It was somewhere in like the half a million dollar range. Yeah. And we were yeah. just like, Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, it really threw us off for a little bit. And then like, obviously you come to figure out like the differences in the economies and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But yeah. It was, it was, it was really cool. 
And we, it was just the right place. We got a great night's sleep. We went and got burgers at this place called Mountain Sun Brewing Company that quickly became my favorite restaurant in the country. It was just an awesome experience. So th- shout out to her. Uh, yeah. I don't remember her name, but man, she was freaking awesome. So I totally get that, uh, that desire. So yeah. you, you wanted to be a photographer in music. So where did it kind of go from there? How did that kind of evolve? Uh, to be completely honest with you, I completely quit. Like I put my camera down and I was, I was like, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere with this. I need to figure out what I'm doing with my life. At that point I had graduated high school and, um, was flunking college and was just like, I, I don't know what to do next. I, I had shadowed a wedding photographer when I was real little. Um, I think it was even before I moved to Pennsylvania, I think it was in middle school. And I went to that wedding with him and I was just like, I could never do this. I could never capture their best day. That's just too much pressure. Everybody's stressed out. Like I, I just, I don't think I could do that. So I completely forgot about that experience. I set my camera down and I just started taking photos with my cell phone. I just started working like customer service jobs, moving forward, trying to figure out what my path was going to look like. And, um, it wasn't until I was planning my wedding and I told my parents how much my wedding photography costs. And they were like, why aren't you doing wedding photography? And I was like, I didn't have an answer for them. I I really didn't. I was just like, I don't know. I don't think I could do it. There's a ton of photographers in the area. It just, uh, just all this imposter syndrome stuff where I'm just didn't think I was good enough or I couldn't do it. And then I didn't let that work. I just, I didn't have an answer. I didn't feel real. So I was just like, well, I could try. (laughs) And then I tried and I stepped on a treadmill and literally hasn't stopped. That's amazing. That's fantastic. Yeah. So, so how did you kind of get your first job? Uh, and, and then like, how did you kind of build upon that to the point where now you own your own company, your first shooter, you're hiring other people to work with you? Like, how did you kind of get through? I mean, obviously that's like a super complex story and more than we're going to go <laughs> through in like the next 10 minutes, but you know, kind of where, what was, how did you get in? Right. So kind of what were some of your first steps, if that helps? Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if it's luck. I think most of it is just grit, but, um, I had some friends on the internet that I saw were looking for a wedding photographer and, uh, they didn't have a very high budget. And I was, I was just like, Hey, you know, I, I have a camera. Um, my husband and I had started traveling, um, uh, abroad and we wanted a way to capture it. So we, we bought a new camera. I had a, a, a a Nikon DSLR, um, for high school. And then I put it down and didn't really know how to use it. So we bought a Sony. Um, cause it was the newest, bestest, you know, yeah. and, uh, we were traveling with it and I was getting to know it and I was like, well, I mean, we've got this camera. I could, I could go and do their wedding, um, for like no money. Um, yeah. it would be a good experience. Yeah. Um, and when I was on the fence, my husband tricked me. Um, he was like, I'll do it with you. Like we can do this together. Uh, that's how the boundaries was born. Um, that's our last name. Um, and then we did the whole first year together. So I, I was doing my, I was working my customer service, uh, desk job. He was, he kept his job. He has a pretty, uh, pretty tough job or I guess high stress job. Um, and then on the weekends we were shooting weddings. Um, on the other days after work, I was shooting all sorts of things, second shooting for people. Um, just really, really not, not stopping. I was at home editing up until like two in the morning and then I would go to bed and then I'd go to work and then I would get off work and keep just rinse and repeat. Um, and then I started booking weddings, uh, for my husband and I, um, my husband was my second shooter. I was the first main point of contact cause I am pretty good at customer service. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, um, he, he then, uh, like middle of the season was like, Hey, I actually uh, hate this. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, I, I just, I, I feel like I hardly know these people. I, um, I, I stress out all week at work and I, I just can't stress out all weekend. I don't really get a day off and it's not, it's not my calling. This is your calling. And at that point I built enough confidence, just booking people, booking weddings, knowing how the ins and outs of a wedding worked that I was just like, okay, I'll do it by myself now. I'm glad that you had the confidence to just take that and run with it because, I mean, one of the the, the best things that's happened in Sarah and I's relationship, quite frankly, is I'm like a very social butterfly out and about, want to talk to everybody, be at stuff all the time. Uh, Sarah is much more kind of, of a homebody. She's just a much more kind of introverted person. 
totally works for the two of us. And very early in our relationship, we were at some high school networking thing from my high school. And we got home and she was like, I don't want to go to those anymore. <laughs> and I was like, huh? <laughs> like, it really took me off guard. And she was like, look, it's not that I think they're bad. It's just, uh, that's not the thing that makes me happy. I totally get that it makes you happy. I want you to go to them. I want you to go to as many of them as you want. I want you to stay at them as late as you want. If you need a ride home, I'll come get you, whatever. Keep doing the thing that makes you happy. I'm just telling you, it will make me happier to not go. <laughs> and then you can like do your thing and I'll be here when you get back. And I was like, you know what? That's great. Because then I don't like, she, she was not happy standing there going like, yeah, I'm Sarah. I do this. Da, da, da. It just was not her thing. And so it ended up being like a really great thing to communicate because <laughs> she got a lot more of what she wanted to do. And I got to do exactly what I wanted to do. And we didn't have to like put the pressure on each other for that kind of thing. So Good on yeah, you. Good on your husband for like honestly communicating. Good on good on you for like being able to take that and roll with it because that's that'd be a tough thing to hear, especially right in the middle of the season. Yeah, yeah, totally. And it, and it was okay. I mean, like I knew he was stressed. I knew that his job had been just draining him, and then by the weekend he would be like dreading it to the point of being almost sick over it. So yeah. I was just like, it's it's way better if you stay home. I'll do as much as I can by myself. But it's it's difficult because the way that I set up my year happens the previous year. So in 2018, I was setting up weddings for 2019, which means when he decided in 2019 that he didn't want to do it anymore, I couldn't just not have him because my couples were expecting him. So I was like, all right, we're going to finish this out. And then rolling into 2020, it's going to be just me. Right. So uh, then 2020, you know, so. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that you kind of mentioned, and I can't remember whether we were already recording or not, but you know, you mentioned basically like the internet, right? I think maybe it was how you and Katie got together. Um, you know, how much of building your business has been the internet and how much of it has been kind of referral business from, you know, former clients. Cause I mean, obviously that's exactly how we found you was, the dream scenario, like somebody makes a post on Instagram and then a paying customer hits you up and it's like, I want to hire you. Uh, that's pretty fantastic. (laughs) How much of your business kind of is built on that kind of stuff and how much of it is intentional, like Instagram marketing or Facebook marketing and how much of it is just like your customers really love working with you and then send you all their friends. Um, that's a tough one to answer because, uh, all of it is intentional marketing. Um, the, Instagram is work for me, no matter what, how I, how I swing it. I love it. I, I love social media. I love interacting, but it is still work, which means that every single thing I put out into the ether has to be intentional. So it has to, you know, paint me in the right light. It has to be relatable. It has to be also perfect. It also, you know, it's just this, uh, this crazy mixture of things. So when I go out with an intention to do a photo shoot, it's with the intention to post it on the internet. Like, um, I, I always serve my couples first. Um, I go by this rule, um, where I do a 80, 20 rule. So 80% of what I'm shooting is for my couple. And then at the very last second, just in the back of my brain, I have 20% for the internet. Um, so marketing and, and, uh, my website, stuff like that. But, um, so it's almost always, <laughs> uh, as far as referral based stuff goes, um, the reason it's tough to answer is because it's, it goes both ways. So if I shoot with somebody they they like them enough, they like me enough to post it themselves. Right. So then it's a referral, but it's on the internet. <laughs> that all makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it all, one of the things that I try to, you know, kind of work with customers on in, in my marketing business is like, you know, think of it as like this total ecosphere and you're really, you know, Google did this thing a long time ago where they kind of adjusted their algorithm to figure out who's actually doing good business, like who's informing their customers and putting out information that's helpful. That's who we're going to reward. So I always try to tell businesses like you can't skirt doing good business anymore. Like you have to do the good business and then you have to go tell people that you did it. And there's this huge number of places that you can tell people that you did it. And you can either focus it in one really kind of narrow band or you can try and kind of cover a lot with, you know, a small spectrum of work. And there's no right answer, you know, for, for all companies, everybody's kind of got to experiment and figure it out. So have you been able to kind of balance doing the work and getting all the clients that you want? Like, are you at a full capacity as far as client work, or are you still trying to kind of 
add quite a bit as the season goes on? Um, right now I am considering closing my books <clears throat> for the rest of the year. Um, so it's, it's very lucky. The only thing is that 2020 has really just biffed everything for the next two years, at least to where I had 2020 couples that were moving their weddings to 2021. So I'm not only working with those couples that have already paid me. So that's past, <clears throat> past financial stuff to fulfill, but I also had to fill the remaining weekends with new work so that I could make two years worth of income and essentially one. Um, so I am very lucky. I am very busy, but a lot of it does have to do with COVID. Um, (laughs) so, uh, I am just book solid. (laughs) How much of a challenge has it been with venues changing their policies? Because I know, you know, I know a lot of the places that we looked at, for example, in Colorado had changed, you know, how many people that could gather in a specific place and all that kind of thing. So how much of that has created just an epic challenge for your couples uh, or are most people finding, you know, relative spots to, to do things? Yeah. So um, I have kind of a two part answer. Um, so I'm very lucky to live in a destination wedding place. Uh, people come to Lake Tahoe to, to get married, whether they've been here or not. Um, Lake Tahoe, living so close to Lake Tahoe has built my business um, entirely. Just living in the Sierras, I have endless options. I have endless knowledge of this place, um, just endless beauty as well. So um, people were really checked as far as the wedding industry goes. I, I really think that Everybody just went back to their core values when it came to wedding planning. I mean, I, I'm not sure if you had original plans to have a big wedding, but <laughs> you were, no. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, if, if it wouldn't kill a couple members of our family, we would have eloped uh, for sure. I mean, uh, my best friend did it and it was uh, really, uh, I don't, you know, it didn't help every member of his family, but for him and for his wife, I think it was a really great choice and they got married in Sedona and it was just absolutely gorgeous. And they got right at the right time of the year and they had a great time, like everything worked out great. Um, And so I think that really kind of like made us go like, "Eh, it might be kind of nice. And we're both, I'm a big kind of like outward, big personality kind of person. But uh, the idea of like a 200 person wedding was never, ever in my vocabulary. It was just, I never okay. felt like that was a thing that was going to be for us. I don't, I'm not here to say that it's not a cool thing <laughs> for other people. Do what you totally. want to do. That's awesome. Uh, but for us, I just knew that was never going to be the thing and it was never really what I wanted kind of personally either. So ex- we are doing basically exactly what I wanted to do. So that's I'm, awesome. I'm pretty pumped. <laughs> That's important. Yeah. And um, I do feel like that uh, COVID has checked a lot of people into just stop thinking about the way it looks and more thinking about the way it feels. Yeah. And, uh, and that just means downsizing essentially where it's, you know, it used to be different when our parents were married and they invited everybody they hadn't seen in so long. And it was a big family reunion and it was a big deal. But now people are essentially looking inward and being like, wait, <laughs> we're paying for meals for people we've never met before. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, ex- and expensive meals that inevitably end up being the same piece of chicken, the same mashed potatoes. Like I've eaten banquet food everywhere in the country. We do it for corporate events and for weddings. It's all the same thing. I've, I've, yeah. I've almost never had a wedding meal that I've been like, wow, that was fantastic. <laughs> you know, I've, I've had quite a few, but to be fair, they were small weddings to where they could do it up a lot more. That makes sense. So, so let's kind of touch on that, right? So you've been a part of some really, really cool weddings. You've kind of focused your career on destination weddings and going to places that maybe a lot of people wouldn't think of doing their wedding. Uh, not mm-hmm. only for the ceremony, but I would imagine you've also seen some pretty posh, pretty cool receptions. Uh, not to like call anybody out or any specific things, but like what have been some of kind of the highlights uh, from your career that you've been like, all right, now that's that one was awesome. <laughs> this is tough because I myself didn't have a very like posh wedding. I had a very outdoorsy micro wedding where I had all of my closest and best. And I did the decor. I did the arch with the florals. And then everything else was just so simple to where 
that's what I book. I, I, that's my ideal client is myself because I don't regret a single thing that I did for my wedding. So it's almost harder, harder for me to relate to those who want to invite a ton of people. So I, I honestly, every single one of them, micro wedding, simple, crazy decor, um, either way, I just, I love all of it. Um, and the way that I market myself doesn't really get, you know, the crazy big, huge venues with all the lights and the, uh, crazy destinations. Honestly, destination for me is, is your wedding (laughs) in Colorado. That's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, have there been any, uh, elements from, uh, from people's weddings that you've been like, okay, that's creative or that's something that you would really love to see, you know, kind of replicated in more weddings. Like, have there been any things that have caught you off guard, uh, that people have planned or done that, you know, kind of within your spectrum of weddings, but that you've been like, Oh my gosh, I've never seen that before. Yeah. Um, I think it's really just a matter of getting, um, creative with the timeline and the things that you want to include. Like, um, even just the bridal shoots, like I, I did a, um, uh, it was a wedding shoot, a wedding attire shoot with a nice couple. Um, and they ended up eloping at like a little chapel in, in downtown Tahoe, didn't have a photographer, didn't do it up. And then the day before that, they actually did it up with me. We went on a really cool hike. She put on the dress. She had her makeup done. Um, he had his suit on. We hiked around and just hung out. And he read her a letter that he wrote um, during that shoot. And it wasn't we didn't have like, you know, an officiant, they weren't officially getting married, but it was just so magical to get the emotions of an actual wedding day when we were simply there to have their bridal portraits taken. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. I mean, one of the things that I've, I've been very conscious about during the whole kind of wedding process is trying to remind ourselves and to remind Sarah and kind of the whole process of like, we can literally do whatever we want. You don't have to follow like any template. We could schedule it completely differently than anybody else does. We can say different stuff. We can follow different rituals. Like my my friends, Bob and Carly did one that was kind of different than what you would probably see in most ceremonies. And I just thought it was so cool that they just chose to do something that was authentic to them. Uh, So I think that's, it's really cool that you kind of get to see a lot of people choose what's authentic to them. Cause I, I would imagine in a lot of these, you know, kind of uh, not called destination weddings, but more like outdoor kind of non-traditional non-church style weddings, for example, uh, people probably stray from the norm a little bit more than the tradition I would imagine. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, one of my couples, I went to breakfast with them recently before they went to go scout for their location. Um, they were like, oh, so this alternative wedding thing. And I was like, okay, alternative wedding. We're coining that immediately because that's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Fantastic. For sure. For sure. So when you're talking to couples, what are some of the things that kind of immediately key you in on this may be someone that's going to be really good for me to work with. And what's some of the stuff that you kind of hear that you're just like, ah, maybe that's not going to be a good fit for me. That's a good question. It's so difficult um, because a lot of times they're coming from elsewhere or I don't get to meet them in person. Um, So it's really, really hard for me to tell on the first FaceTime date. Um, A lot of times I assume I'll like them and I I haven't been led astray. (laughs) But um, in the exact opposite uh, sort of situation, I had a couple reach out uh, 2019 um, they were talking about my editing style, asking if I could change it a little bit, uh, just right out the gate. We didn't really have time to FaceTime. They just, they were really quiet, didn't really want to chat that much. And I was like, Oh God, I don't know anything about them. I took them on anyway. And they were probably one of my most favorite, most favorite thing I've ever done. Um, oh, no joke. Yeah, they were like one of my like just lifetime friends after that. And it's crazy how uh, it it was mostly because of COVID. Um, They were supposed to get married in in just outside of Big Sur. And uh, something happened uh, to where they couldn't do it at that venue anymore or their family couldn't travel or something happened within COVID. And they just decided to keep it just the two of them which was amazing, but we literally had the earth as our oyster. I was like, I was tossing out all these ideas. I was like, you know, what about New Mexico? What about Arizona? What about the Bonneville salt flats? We could go anywhere. We could go to Seattle, Portland, whatever you want to do. 
And uh, we ended up choosing um, a, an inn on the California coast just above San Francisco that is uh, just so one of my favorite places I've ever been with my husband. We actually spent our first anniversary there together. That's awesome. And I got to go, and it was just the two of them. They had an efficient drive-in from Sacramento, kind of a long drive for her. <laughs> but yeah. she did an amazing job. Um, and it, I, it was so unspoken where a lot of times I'm just the third wheel. And when it is just the two of them, I'm like, okay, just tell me when to fuck off. You know, like, right, sorry right. if you have to bleep that. No, um, no, no, not at all. You can cuss all you want. I do it all the time. You're all good. <laughs> um, so I literally was just like, just tell me when you guys want alone time. So I tried to build in alone time so they didn't have to tell me. Yeah. But um, essentially, I showed up. They got ready together, which is always so magical, just having those moments together alone. And then I, I came for him zipping her into the dress and him adjusting his bolo tie. And then we went out and we took a couple photos before the ceremony, found a different spot for that. They got married. And then I was like, you guys want to spend some time married? I'm going to go change. And I, I literally took a shower, put on the same outfit. <laughs> That's awesome. It was like all right, let's take some, some more photos. And we just, we walked around together. We did a little bit of hiking on the coast and took some really epic photos. They popped champagne. And then we went to dinner at the same restaurant, but it was completely unspoken, not even awkward, did not sit together because I was like, you guys are eating your, your wedding dinner. We're not, yeah. <laughs> we're not sitting together, but, um, it was just a really cute thing, like from across the restaurant, you know, like cheersing each other really quick. And then I went back to my phone and was just you know, eating alone. But it was, it was one of those things where like everything was so unspoken and we just got each other. Yeah. And it was amazing. I didn't think it would work out like that because at first I didn't know what they're like. They just were so quiet. For sure. For sure. I mean, with, with that experience, I mean, did you end up having to do some major changes to your editing style or did you guys kind of find a middle ground that ended up working for both of you? No. Um, originally when she asked, she was like, Hey, you know, um, you, you do edit pretty warm. Is there a way you can edit colder? And I was like, well, we're on the coast. We're on the California coast. Things are blue and it's probably right. going to be foggy. So they're going to naturally be colder without sun. Um, so I, I kind of set her at ease in the initial conversation about it. Gotcha. Um, but a, a little bit prideful as I was then, I was like, well, she's asking me to change my editing style completely. And that, that wasn't the case. So when it came down to editing her photos, I was thinking back to that original question and I, I edited quite a few photos in two different styles and she chose her favorite. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So let's kind of talk a little bit about editing. I mean, how much of the way that you shoot is done with your hands on the camera and how much of it is done after the fact, you know, in your editing process? Cause everybody does it differently, right? Like I think early in a lot of photographers uh, careers, it's just like you point the camera at something, you push the button and you hope something great comes out of it. I think as you develop more in your photography career, you see a lot less spraying and praying and a lot more <laughs> just, you know, selective shooting. You know when those shots are going to be there. You've got a much better uh, control of your settings and things like that. But, you know, how much of, of the photos are you manipulating after the fact significantly and how much of it's just like a few tweaks to kind of some colors? Totally. Um, I would say at this point in my career, I am pretty confident in my editing style. There are some things where like the lighting conditions were really difficult or um, there was one shadow that was just in the way that I might not have noticed in the moment. Um, I, I don't do any retouching. Um, if I see the same pimple, I will definitely, or scar even. I just finished a session where she had a, um, a scar from a previous piercing that I edited out of all the photos for her. Gotcha. But I don't do much more than that. Like if, if I know it's acne, then I'll, I'll remove as much of it as I can. But if it's a mole leaving it, if it happened, it was there naturally, I'm leaving it. Um, and I don't make anything super soft or fake looking. It's literally just like just there. And I'm, I'm just fixing the colors to be more in a, in a style that makes sense. Gotcha. That makes sense. So when it comes to equipment and stuff, how much of that are you focused on? Or is it like, I've got a camera, I've got some lenses you know, that's fine. I'm going to use that gear for the next five, seven years until it's basically worn out. Uh, or are you kind of more on the gear junkie side of things and you like to be up on, you know, more of the new stuff? Yeah, I think I'm, I'm in the minority to where I'm not very like gear heady. Like I, I honestly don't know a ton about it. I bought the camera that was the top camera for my industry. 
And um, I, like I said, I started on a Sony. I actually ended up hating that camera um, for weddings because it, it's just, there are too many pixels. Like there's just a limit <laughs> to where you really need to see everything and you just don't need to see every pore on a person's sure. face in their wedding photos. Sure. Um, great for landscapes, great for video, but uh, just not for me as far as weddings go. Um, and so I switched to Canon um, and I chose the, the top one in the industry. And um, at this point, I think the direction of the industry is going more mirrorless, which to me feels a little bit pointless because the lens weighs a shit ton. So you're just like, Oh, I have this really light body, but let me just add this lens and it's front heavy. And it just, right. Why? Right. right. <laughs> That's not the selling point. Um, but I am noticing quite a few things with my, my camera now. It's only two years old at this point. Uh, I have two of them of the same, the same body and uh, different lenses that I switch out. Sure. Um, and it's having some issues to where it'll completely stop and freeze in the middle of a shoot. Ooh, that's scary. Yeah. Um, so I'm having some issues with that. Um, and I'm wondering if I need to go to the mirrorless route on, sure. in Canon. Um, and I like their color grading a lot more. Yeah. Um, or if I just buy this, the replica camera that I have now. Gotcha. Yeah. And then would you go, if you went out and bought that same camper, would you, would you buy, do they still make that camera new or would you buy it on the secondary market? Um, I, I would get it new, uh, just because like all things, um, like cars, uh, they do have miles on them. So with the number of shutters, uh, you are depleting the value of the camera itself. So I would definitely buy new. Yeah. I heard of a a guy that was basically kind of counseling me on gear when I was first getting into my, you know, amateur photography that I do, (laughs) uh, and was basically saying like, if you can buy, bodies from someone you know and they burn through bodies like they they have to have the newest one and they don't really use their gear that often then maybe you can go that route he goes but bodies are really you know especially towards the end of their life cycle they're inexpensive like i know i've got a sony a6500 and i think brand new Uh that camera was like 1600 bucks and Mm -hmm. now you can buy them for like 700 bucks uh, and it's the exact same camera. It's just two, three years later, four years later after the, the iteration came out, there's obviously yes. newer models and stuff like that since then. But, um, so with, with the Canon, um, would you ever consider going back to Nikon or is, is Canon just your brand from now on? You've got enough glass in that kind of category and that's just where you're going to be. Um, I think I'm definitely a Canon person just because I've, I've learned how to edit it. I've, I've learned how to, um, they are one of the top in the industry. Um, I honestly never learned enough about my old Nikon DSLR. Like it was one of those things where I was shooting an auto or I was shooting with like ISO priority or, you know, something like that. So I was just like, I never fully got to know that camera to where like, I, I fully know my Canon. I, I know exactly like my hands just automatically go to these places so quickly Uh, like I don't know why I would go back to another setup that would just be harder for me to learn for For no reason for sure what have been some of the cities that you've really enjoyed shooting in or some of the destinations that you've really enjoyed going to we'll kind of uh come come to a close uh with some of the places (laughs) that you've really liked going to and then some of the places that you'd love to go shoot if the right opportunity presented itself Absolutely. Um, I love Joshua Tree. Um, any Anything that I've learned is if you want to get destination work, you have to go to those destinations and learn them first so you can market them. Um, so this past, past summer for my birthday, uh, we, my other photographer friend and uh, I have a florist friend, uh, we all went to Joshua Tree and we planned our own style shoots. It was expensive. It was awesome. We learned a lot. It was hot as shit. I've (laughs) never been hotter in my life. Um, (laughs) and, um, we, we, we got work there. And then I, this past winter, I did a, um, an elopement there. Um, so I've really gotten to know Joshua tree and I love it. It's a really beautiful desert. Um, and as far as places I want to shoot, I definitely want to shoot a lot in, in Seattle. Uh, the Pacific Northwest just is one of those places that really calls to me, and it's it's gorgeous up there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, one of my favorite quotes is, hilariously, it's from Ashton Kutcher at the Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Awards. Uh, <laughs> what a guy. And he said, um, opportunity looks a lot like hard work. And one of the things that I've kind of heard that's consistent through your storyline is you've recognized that there's a lot of hard work along the way and you've gone and done that to create opportunities. I think it's really cool that you decided like, hey, if I'm going to shoot in these places, if people are going to pay me, 
I just have to go demonstrate that I know the area and that I can do that work at a high level. Uh, you know, I've, I've told this story, so I won't beat it to death, but uh, a buddy of mine that I've kind of aspired to be more like as a filmmaker uh, called me one day. I was like, dude, cheap tickets, round trip to, to uh, Miami and back from St. Louis are $117. You want to go? Nice. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, why are we going? And he was like, I want to shoot for Prana and for Cole Headwear and for a couple of other brands. And I'm not getting hired in St. Louis to do any of that kind of work. I want to go shoot some stuff that I think will attract those brands and show them that I can do the kind of quality stuff that they, that they would expect. And I was like, hell yeah, let's go do it. And so he shot this like great three-part series kind of vlog style, but then he created just a straight up video about why he went and did that and why he was chasing those brands and why he felt it was important to just do it himself. And totally. so it, that resonates a lot with me because I went for those three days and I just watched him work. And I was like, why are you shooting that? How are you setting up your camera for that? <laughs> why are you shooting that fountain? And he was like, dude, anywhere you see movement that there normally is just stillness, film that. And I was like, oh, great. That's a great way to think about it. Uh, and so he just started giving me all these little tidbits throughout the day and I never would have gotten that experience if I wouldn't have just said, there's no purpose to this, but let's just go try something. Let's go get better. Uh, so I, that resonates with me a lot. I really appreciate that that's the mindset that you take into your work because I think that that's a big part of why you have a full schedule going into the next you know year and a half. Totally. Yeah, I think a lot of it is grit. Um, a lot of people will ask, they'll be like, hey, how do I become a wedding photographer? And I'm, I literally just just shoot everything that you can shoot your friends for free, shoot your friends weddings for free. Like you, you don't even have to pick a niche, just start shooting, get to know your camera, like your second nature. And, um, it's, it's really important to know that it just takes a lot more than it looks. It looks like a really glamorous lifestyle. I will not lie, but, uh, I mean, yesterday I drove eight hours for a shoot in San Jose and then drove home so that I could get home to make sure that I was editing for everything else that comes with it. So it is, it's really tough, uh, especially wedding season. You can be away from your family for a long time, uh, especially if you're a travel wedding photographer. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, it, it just know that it is glamor. It is amazing getting to capture love stories all over the place, but it's also, uh, pretty difficult and you do have to make some sacrifices sometimes. Yeah. I mean, one of the, the things, one of the very first projects I ever got hired to do was uh, a life coach, excuse me, that came through St. Louis, kind of a hardcore you know, military style, break you down, build you back wow. up kind of thing. And uh, was was coaching uh, a friend of mine at the time. And that guy kind of connected me and said, hey, this guy's going to come coach some people. He wants to film the day. It's going to be a long day. He's got some budget. If you want to, you know, connect, I'll do it. And so we, we talked and the guy's like, look, man, here's what I want to do. I'm meeting these guys at seven in the morning. So I really need somebody there at like six 30. It's going to be about 28 degrees for a high that day. We're going to be inside and outside, inside and outside. We're going to be marching all over downtown St. Louis. We're going to be going upstairs and downstairs. It's not going to be exactly easy. Uh, and we're probably going to finish up at around midnight. And I was like, okay, this is a long day. Uh, and, and I didn't really have the right, microphones and equipment and I was like hodgepodging together these weird little contraptions to try and like stick it amongst the people and figure <laughs> out batteries the whole day and at the end of the day I got paid four figures to follow a dude around with a camera all day and it ended up being like a 16 hour day yeah. and I talked to some of my friends and they're like dude are you crazy that's like nowhere near enough money you should have gotten paid like two three times what you got paid <laughs> And I was like, yeah, probably like if I knew what I was doing and I was an experienced videographer, probably. Yeah. And guess what? If I didn't do the job, I wouldn't have made any of that money. I would yeah. have been sitting in my house, watching TV, playing a video game or doing something completely unproductive. So I went out and I improved my skill set. I worked on a project. I built a, a little bit for my reel. I made some money and this guy got some footage that he really needed and wanted. So everybody won and I advanced my career. So I yeah. think a lot of people get way too hung up in like, am I making enough money early on in the process or, you know, everybody else is making so much more or I don't have a big enough camera or a cool enough camera or nice enough lenses or whatever. Uh, it, it, I think it is just about like, you got to go out and shoot more. Yeah. 
And, and even then, like you set yourself up in that situation to make more figures in the future and like even doing it at all just moves the needle. And as long as you're moving the needle, then you'll be set. Yeah, for sure. So, so when you're thinking about your ideal client, kind of let's, let's complete with that. What kind of couples, uh, really connect well with you? What kinds of customers seem to really fit for your style? And then also just kind of the way that you do things, your, your vibe, your personality, you know, kind of let, let's kind of conclude there. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, well, first and foremost, I just want to make sure that I'm sharing the same values. Um, so welcoming everybody. It doesn't have to be the picture-perfect editorial couple that's thin and white. You know, like I, I want to make sure that everybody is included um, in my marketing, everybody that I'm shooting. If I ask somebody to do a styled shoot, it's every single walk of life, every single love language uh, regardless of whether or not that means they're actually getting married or if they're just having photos taken together because they're life partners. Like really everybody is welcome. Um, and people that share that mindset are important to me. Um, additionally people that are bulletproof, like (laughs) I know that sounds really tough, but, uh, I mean, you're in a wedding dress, you're in the mountains, it's dusty. It's probably windy. We have to hike to someplace Epic. If you want Epic photos, which means that you have to be down. Like, um, I'm down, (laughs) I'm carrying everything, you know? Um, so just, uh, bulletproof couples, um, and people that really have true intentions to just spend the day together. Um, regardless of how much they interact with me, of course, I want to be a part of the family. Um, and I want them to know that they're safe with me essentially, but, um, making sure that their love story is at the very core of every single thing that they do, um, regardless of what they saw on Pinterest or on the internet or what they think is cool or trendy at the time, just, if they do something, it always has to relate back to them and make sure that they're doing it for the right reasons. I think that all makes sense. And I mean, it, it's been very reflective of all the work that I've seen that you publish on your website and on your Instagram. I mean, you can definitely see you work with a really wide range of couples and you do a really kind of, you have a very consistent style and look, but the shoots that you do kind of cover a really wide spectrum, which is really cool too. So, um, you know, when people are trying to find you, what are some of the best paths? Uh, you know, what's your website? What's your Instagram? All that kind of thing. Yeah. My website is Allie Boundy, A-L-I-B-O-U-N-D-Y.com. Um, and my Instagram is Allie.Boundy. So um, pretty easy to find me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Those are good channels. Absolutely. So what are uh, anything that you are really looking forward to to finish out your season uh, this year? And we'll, we'll finish right there. Yeah. Uh, your wedding. Yeah. Be pretty tight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's really fun. I think it's really important what you said earlier, and we'll kind of finish there that, you know, what's been really, really important for me through the whole process as we plan it is to make sure that our timeline and everything that we're doing is such that we can really enjoy the day. I don't want to do anything, whether it's having to build this really elaborate tablescape or having to know that we have to tear it down or all these things that. <laughs> ultimately will keep us from just getting to enjoy our time together. Like the more that we can just maximize spending time with our friends, spending time with our family, enjoying the day and kind of being at peace with the whole process is, is super critical to me. And I really appreciate that you really have given us a lot of resources and a lot of time and counseling towards, you know, kind of helping us plan through some of the stuff that we don't know is coming or that we've forgotten about or that we would inevitably miss. Uh, on top of being our wedding photographer, like you've helped us do, a, you know, a considerable amount of planning. We actually helped choose our date with you. Uh, you gave us a lot of really great ideas on locations and kind of helped us work on our plan for the day itself. So huge thank you to you because you have made our process a lot less stressful. Uh, we feel like we have a wedding planner in our, in our corner, uh, <laughs> even though we haven't technically hired you as that you've really helped us feel a lot more at ease. So I really appreciate yeah. you. You've been fun to work with so far. Awesome. I love that. Um, that is the goal. Always the goal to make sure that you guys feel prepared to get married. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we'll look forward to it. August 31st. We'll see you in Boulder. Uh, Allie Boundy, thank you so much for joining me. This was a lot of fun. Of course. Thanks for having me. It was rad. Sweet.